Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Tariq. Today I have a special guest, Reggie Howard from, you know, the Black Mental Health Podcast, from Black Man Hill, Tanami. Reggie does it all. What's up, my brother? Thank you for having me, man. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> also, I had to have Reggie or this guest man. You guys, I was on his podcast, and Reggie is a dope person. I met him through um, Nami. You know, he was facilitating um, Black Lives Matter support group. You know, that was just me. I'm the only guy now, but you know, he's going to you know do a lot of stuff. So, um, thank you for coming on. You know, out of your busy schedule, bro. No, thank you for having me. And I wish I could do more support groups, but I. Uh... I actually, once I left, I was able to do more and affect more people. And I think for me is always trying to help as many people as I possible. I do miss the, I'm probably going to come back to the support groups eventually because, you know, after a while I get drained and trying to do too much at one time. But I just wanted to still just see how far I could go with the amount of uh, impact I could have. Yeah, man, you're killing it in the game right now. So um, let's get this on the road. My first question to you, I ask everybody this when they come on my um, podcast is, how's your mental health? How is my mental health? That's a great question. Um, we was talking off air about like uh, how you were saying about doing car troubles and things of that nature. I just put my car in the shop too as well. Um, but one of the things I realized is that our problems don't get uh, easier we just get stronger in a lot of aspects. And so uh, the same problem happened last year and it almost threw me for a panic. Uh, and because I didn't know what to do, I wasn't set up, I didn't have the right skill sets in place. But now that it's a year later, you kind of are a little bit more mature, you're a little bit better in experience, yeah. you can handle that problem in an easier realm. So to your point of how is my mental health, I think it's in a greater space because of experience and having the tools to protect myself. Wow, that's good, man. Um, glad. That's good. Wow. Um, my next question for you. Growing up, was it okay not to be okay when you was younger? Um, it's a good question. And I, if I were, again, having the better tool sets, I would say no early on um, that it wasn't okay not to be okay. But as I was growing and learning about like life experiences and, again, mental health in general, that... Um, I think it is as a community, as a black community, as a community in a whole, we just didn't have the tools, the skill sets, the knowledge and the things that we needed to know to, for, to make it okay. It's just like you're telling yeah. someone you're hurting and you need help and you need support, but if they don't know how to help you or how to support you, then it, to, for you, it can feel like it's not, it's, it's not okay to be or not okay around them, but it's just, they don't know what to do to help you. So it's a tricky answer, but I hope it answers you. Yeah, um, I, I, uh, like with me, I just knew like growing up, you know, like I see my grandma, she was single mom, you know, hurt, you know, I feel like she was hurt from my ex-husband and stuff like that. So I never seen her like sad or nothing like that. So I was like following her lead, you know, so I, she can't be sad, you know, <laughs> I can't be sad either. She ain't showing no emotions. She, after everything she's been through and everything, so I'm like, she ain't showing no emotions. 
But I think that, like, today's society is just, like, mental health is more understanding than it was back then, you know, growing up in a Black household, you know, they tell you to, you know, just take it to the Lord, you know, just do, pray about it and stuff like that, keep it in the house and stuff like that. Nowadays, people, I'm just happy that people are talking about it, that, you know, speaking up about mental health and just, you know, raising awareness. Yeah, it's a movement happening within, like, the mental health community, Black community in general when it car- in regards to that. Um, and one of the conversations that I, I do think need to be had more often is that now we are, uh, now that we are having the conversation, one of the things that I'm noticing is that we still, we still victimize people when they are having, I don't want to say an episode or a crisis, nothing to that large scale, but they are in, they're showing the symptoms of having something mentally going on with them. And it doesn't even have to be like, you need to go to a crisis center or you need to go to a hospital, but maybe they're in a depressed spirit right now, or maybe they're having anxiety or maybe they having certain things going, maybe they're stressed and we, we kind of condemn them and, and make fun of them or go against them and treat them that way. But then we, we also supposed to be a, a, a woken mental health uh, people now. So I'm starting to see a lot more of that. And uh, that is a lot frustrating, but um, overall, I think we do, a, we are having a better conversation in regards to mental health. Yeah, we certainly are. Um, my next question for you, um, you know, how did you get into um, facilitating phenomena? Like, tell us about that. Um, great question. Uh, so for me, it, it started through uh, being uh, a, two, I want, a multiple suicide attempt survivor and okay. um, not really understanding what I was going through, how I was feeling, what was happening. Um, so uh, to make a long story short, I started doing research and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and then I bumped into NAMI. And then I was and once I found out the beautiful gym that it was and realized that, oh, this can be uh, something, this can be a community for me. This is something I could be a part of. Um, that's when I just dove in here first as a facilitator in our own voice and in the silence, um, support groups, and now as a board member. Wow, man, worked your way up. I'm so, you know, I told you congratulations before. Congratulations on that, man. Yes, I think to have a person of color and being a man, you know, up on that board, you know, and I'm just like so happy for you and that journey, bro. I appreciate that, and it, and, and I think we had, uh, well, I know we had conversations off air about it, but it's something that I'm still trying to craft and figure out because it's not a blueprint, like you said. It's, yeah. it's something that is like you're creating and it's almost a lane that you have to kind of carve for yourself. And, and like, I won't know what it would look like next year. If I if I had to look at what I was supposed to, when, when I joined NAMI in 2019 and what I am today, I would have never seen it being at this space because it's, it's, you don't know where you're going to take it after a while. Yeah, that's so true. And I know you suicide. So I just want to tell the viewers out there that's listening, anybody's struggling with any thoughts of suicide or suicide ideation, there is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The new number is 988. It's the easiest thing to dial. You know, anybody in Christ, dial 988. Um, or you can visit um, org. They have a warm line that's available 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily, you know, for support groups. Um, Saturdays to Thursdays, different types of support groups, you know, it's a lot of resources out there, guys. Just make sure you Google is your best friend. Make sure you look it up and everything. And um, next question for you, your Black Mental Health Podcast. What made you start that, bro? 
Um, that started out of me that that so when you asked me what made me start Nami, that was the first thing I, yeah. I knew how to do for myself is I, I wanted to start a podcast, okay. but what was I going to talk about? And so um I honestly people and not many know this, but I had a relationship podcast with my spouse and we we did that in like 2017. Um but then we found yeah. out we was we, we was pregnant. Um, still have those episodes. Eventually, we're going to do probably something with them and then come back or whatever. But to, that was around 2017, and we had our, our, our second son in 2018. Um, but I still yeah. wanted to do a podcast, and I'm like, well, what do one, what do I want to discover about? What do I want to learn about? What do I want to have conversations about? And it was mental yeah. health, like it was what I was going through, what was happening, how what I was processing. So it started almost like a journal for myself. So I started off interviewing friends, close people, probably that people that I, I know that nobody else would know. And then it has grown into this thing that I didn't, again, in 2018, I would have never known that it would have been grown into this. Um, it has grown into a conversation around just everything uh, in, in the experience of the, the mental world within the Black community. So I'm even considering changing the name just because it's not only mental health, it's culture, it's life, it's understanding what makes us us as a community. It's, it's, it's a lot of things that come with it. And so that's what started off to answer your question. It started off as my me trying to understand my own experiences by bringing like therapists, other people that's feeling how I'm feeling, psychiatrists, things of that nature. But now it's starting to expand um, into a, a, a thing where I want to just gravitate a lot of experiences in a conversation. Yeah, that's dope, bro. I'm, uh, guys, like I said in the beginning, I was a guest on the show. Reggie is a phenomenal host, man. I'm questioning you was asking me. I was like, damn, like, <laughs> I was like, I think I believe Reggie does his research and he asks his questions, man, like questions that I've been on different podcasts and I think yours is probably one of the top ones. I was like, and like he had me, <laughs> I wasn't ready for some of the questions, but you know, I didn't care. I had to answer, you know, my honest opinion. So I thank you for that podcast that you're providing for everybody, man. It's amazing. No, I appreciate that. And honestly, if I'm being honest, my goal when I'm having conversations is to ask the questions that I don't think nobody's either know how to ask, ever ask, or want yeah. or, or want to ask. Like I really do, especially like yourself, you do all these podcasts as far as your own personal one and then people interviewing you. And so some of the questions that people are going to ask you is similar. You kind of know how to answer. You kind of get in like a, I don't want to say a funk or a rotation, but you get into like, you know what you're going to say when they ask that question. So if yeah. I ask a different question that you've never asked, it's going to bring out a new experience that you forgot makes up you. And that's the goal. Yeah. That's so dope, man. So my next question for you, you know that you, you know, NAMI, Black Mental Health Podcast, and then let's talk about Black Men Hill, bro. The crazy thing for the long time, guys, I didn't even know Reggie was a part of Black Men Hill until <laughs> I caught one of the Instagram lives. I was like, oh, that's Reggie. I was like, well, that's the guy from, you know, the facility, um, Black Minds Matter facility group. I, said, I didn't even know mm -hmm. that. So how did you get into that, bro? Y'all doing amazing things. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. So uh, Black Men Hill, for those of that know, offers free therapy to Black men, men of color, as well as alternative additional supportive uh, services as well. So support groups, um, DEI training, speaking engagements, workshops, and things of that nature, all within the realm of providing support for uh, wellness within the Black community, but specifically under the guise of Black men. Um, but for me, how I got started is, and it's that same period where I talked about how I got my podcast started, 
um, NAMI yeah. started, and I started with the NAMI. So Blackman Hill started the same year, like maybe a few months before, after, or before, because I think she uh, uh, puts it out there as August it started. I started my podcast in like June or July, and then I did have my podcast before that, so I was already thinking about it. So she probably was thinking around the same time. But it started in 2018, and um, I was one of the first clients. Like I was one of the first calls of where they went out and said free therapy for black men. And again, it was in that space and period where I'm like, I'm looking for things to, uh, for one, I wanted the free therapy. It was like, all right, I'm open now. They say the teacher come when the student is ready, but I'm open now, I'm ready to go um, start this healing journey. So I do my Googles, yeah. I find NAMI, I started the podcast. Yeah. And now at this point I come across, it's almost like it found me where it was like, oh yeah, free therapy. Why not? Why wouldn't I do it? And it's in Philly, why wouldn't I have the same like uh, thing? And so I joined and got the free therapy for the eight weeks. They actually are, are, are on my podcast as a guest. I think it's like episode 12 or 13 around that time. And um, I would go out there. So I, I started work, doing work with NAMI speaking. I started doing work on my own as like working with kids in the workshops in the community. And one thing that always popped up for me was, uh, well, what organization are you with? I know I was just a group. I wasn't a full time with Nami. I was just one yeah. of the speakers, and then as my podcast, I was just doing it on my own. So I'm like, I'm not really with any organization. I'm by myself out here, and I just want to help the community. And so yeah. uh, one of the uh, strategic decisions for me was like, all right, let me go back and serve an organization that served me. Um, and so that uh, yeah. that's when I went to Blackman Hill, and then the rest is history. And now I'm the senior program coordinator there. Yeah, man. You're doing a lot, bro. And I forgot to mention the end of the, you know, you do, you also did, you know, the end of the silence, bro. You still do that from time to time, I believe. And like, well, tell me what that experience has been about. Cause you know, I did it and, you know, it's, I think it's an amazing experience. You know, I did it with NAMI Bucks and I also did it with NAMI Philly. NAMI Philly was probably mostly virtual, but I did it before. So tell us about that experience, talking to these kids. You know, you being a father, you know, going out here and talking to kids about mental health. Yeah, no, nah, and that that was very important for me because when I had my first suicide ideation, I was like 18, 19 years old. And so um, I know what they're kind of, well, I don't want to say I know. I, I remember what it felt like at that age. And so if if they are internally going through those feelings, I want them to know that, again, going with NAMI, you're, it's okay not to be okay. You are not alone. All yeah. the things that we preach and, and they mean something and it has truth to it. And yeah. um, once I found out about ending the silence, so I, um, I was a part of NAMI Philadelphia, and then I moved up to uh, closer in the Bucks County area. So yeah. that's how I became part of Next Bomb Bucks. Nick was starting a group in NAMI but, uh, with Black Lives Matter, and I asked him to not be a part of it, and that's how we got mm. connected. But um, ending the silence was, uh, if I'm being honest, that that car created and curated, that's the word I would agree. That curated yeah. my speaking, um, I want to say abilities, because for one, it, it gave me access to the people that I wanted to talk to, but also it yeah. taught me how to say what I was trying to say in a way where it had to resonate with who I was trying to talk to. And so that experience has been one of the life-changing, shaping experiences because it, it helped me and my growth. And at a vulnerable time, too, I was coming off of, and I haven't talked about this, um, in my NAMI spaces as much as I, I was coming off of a, a terrible car accident um, oh, wow. and I, I, I haven't shared in a, in a while but I was sharing that with the kids too like I, someone ran a red light and hit me and, and they injured me 
hand broke my leg, my bone was popped out, hand, everything. Like I, I'm, I'm soon, I'm going to share that soon in a different capacity. Yeah. But I say that to say, I found Nami, and Nami felt me at one of the most vulnerable times in my life where I didn't feel like I was worth anything. I didn't feel, I didn't know what was going to happen with my future. I didn't know what was going on. So um, that's the role and implications with Nami in general as a, as an organization, and then the silence, all of those different things. And yeah. now I, we found each other in a space where we needed each other and that I'm so happy. That's how it impacted my life. Man, that is so dope, bro. Like, um, I can understand what the, um, and then the silence, like I did it one time, like just one time when Nami Bucks, it's just there because I live in Delaware now, like Bucks County is like a travel, but I did it one time with them and it does open, like it opened my mind to like, you know, like I usually tell my story a certain way, right? But I know a kid, you you know, you can't say certain stuff, you know, that may trigger them, trigger them. Cause you know, my story is like childhood sexual abuse and everything. So I was able, like, shout out to them, mommy, but because I was able to tell my story without, you know, sounding triggering to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like I did with the kids, you know, a lot of people love the story. Then I did it with the teachers and I was able, like with the teacher, I was able to open up more and tell my story and stuff like that. And, you know, and the silence is great. You know, um, I'm glad that they're talking about it in schools, like is needed and is accepted, man. Um, the next question for you, um, what do you say about stigma? Or, you know, there's a stigma surrounding mental health, especially around men, you know, and especially around black men. So what do you say about that stigma, bro? So I've learned and I always credit uh, the founder of Black Men Hill because it's something that I take from her is that stigma hides and shame and secrecy. So we reverse both of those where you're not ashamed and then more people are talking about it, then stigma can't thrive in that. It can't thrive in same and secrecy if everyone is talking about it. So like we started the podcast earlier talking about how everybody's having a, a conversation about it. We are yeah. with every conversation, with every person acknowledged and speaking out, it is slowly but surely erasing the stigma outside of our, you know, society amongst men. Um, and honestly, it's the same thing what we just talked about with Black Men Hill. Uh, once she put the call out there, once the founders put the call of Black Men Free Therapy out there, we, 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 uh, we all came running. Like I, it wasn't, I, I knew I needed it, but I, I didn't feel like it was particular to me. And so when I heard free therapy, it spoke yeah. to me. And I say that to say, it's, it's probably likewise of you. It's not that you never wanted, you, it's not that you didn't want to share. You just needed a space to share. <laughs> and, yeah. and so when you say it's okay not to be okay and all oh, when yeah. growing up, was it a, was it a space? If someone asked me about it, I was willing to share it. And so that, that yeah. when we talk about stigma, is it, I think it's so it's created, but it it doesn't have to be that way because if the spaces are there, people are willing not to feel like it's it, it has to be hidden. Yeah, yeah, bro, I agree with you. I totally agree with you, bro. Um, my next question for you is um, let's talk about some coping skills. What are some good coping skills that you could recommend, maybe that you tried or, you know, going through your line of work, maybe you know some coping skills that can help somebody with, you know, depression, you know, any mental health problems? Um, so the, it's a few things I would say to answer that question. The first thing, of course, we, we've been speaking about it throughout this conversation. Uh, please get into therapy if you can afford it. Yeah. If you can, like, please get into that. So 
either that's by and if you can't afford check with your medical references and medical providers and things of that nature because a lot of people have uh sessions built into their health insurance program that they don't even utilize every year that automatically comes because you're taking out insurance you're getting insurance taken out of your check every two weeks um so please check them with that um and then if uh if you can't go that route most therapists do offer um a sliding scale now the therapist the the mental health system is overwhelmed because everybody is awakened and we are having this conversation so um, you may have to wait and you may have to go through a, uh, a process to get to a therapist, but we, they, they do offer a sliding scale where you may not have to pay their full price, but you can pay something and they're willing to work with you depending on their availability and opening. Um, so that's the second route. And if you can't afford therapists or a coach, the coach is another thing, but I, I, I try not to recommend coaches too often because some coaches can um, uh, further damage certain clients. Um, by yeah. not having the right techniques and uh, history and training to be able, because some therapists can be coaches, but not coach coaches can't be therapists because they don't have that certain level of training. And then yeah. um, when you go, I'm working my way down to free, like so. And when you go <laughs> past the coach and something that you can do, um, for me, there's two things I always offer um, that I came up with myself for myself that helped me and keep me balanced. Um, two of them are uh, the Power Hour and then the Skeleton of a Good of a Good Day. Um, the, skeleton, yeah. the skeleton of a good day um, is the bare bone minimum of what you would consider a good day for you is. Um, so that can be like, all right, I went for a walk today or I, I ate this healthy thing or I did I did something that made you happy. Um, so that yeah. way, you know, you had a good day. The rest and then I call it a skeleton because it's the bare bone thing that you could do. But then you could add the meat, yeah. you could add the skin and other things because that's going to be added regardless because life is going life. So um, I got the skeleton of a good day. And then Power Hour is one that I came with a long time ago, Um, actually around the NAMI time, like when I first joined, because I needed something to keep me accountable for myself. Um, and the Power Hour is 20 minutes of reading, so I'm filling myself up, I'm learning, I'm educating myself, and just expanding my brain. 20 minutes of journaling, which is pouring out, like just getting out those thoughts that I may not feel safe sharing with a therapist or a friend or a family member, so I'm just pouring that out. Getting the getting the information out of me because it's like a, a book on me and it's something that I read back after at, at the end of the year because it's cool to kind of see how your thoughts have progressed and shaped you um, throughout the year. So that's the reading is pouring in, thought uh, the the journaling is pouring out, and then uh, meditation is the other twenty minutes and it's a reflection and you you get to sit with you and you get to figure out you and you get to like just be you and be in the space of yeah. what your thoughts are. And so I reflect, because a lot of the times, even with the social media world and just life in general, we just move and move and going and going. Stuff is just happening. Whereas if you just get some time to just sit, pause, um, and just reflect, that meditation piece is a good component. So those are the two things that I use for myself. And that's the power hour and the um, skeleton of a good day. That's good, man. Um, my next question for you is, uh, what can you tell somebody that is struggling out there, why it's important to put their mental health first. Cause you know, a lot of us like, include me, like um, sometimes I don't like put my mental health first. Like I could do like whatever it is, my podcast, now I me, mean, I'm putting others first, but sometimes I put my first self first. So like, what can you tell to somebody that's like struggling like that? You know, it's funny. Uh, well, not funny, but analogy. I speak in analogy cause it's the easiest way for me to learn and tell people about things, but um yeah 
in the, in the hospital, let's take a realistic example. In the hospital, it, you can have heart failure and they have something to help your heart beat or yeah. whatever to keep you on life support. You can have kidney failure. You can have all of these different things and they got replacements for it. Yeah. But if your brain did, they literally call you like a vegetable. Like you can't, they eat your, all your organs to be working and they still would say, well, there's no, this person is not here anymore. Like you're just gone. And so that's how that, and I use that example because that's the severity of it, where that one component in your body could be going versus all other, those other important pieces as well. But if that one component is going, you're just done. Whereas you can survive with a broken leg. You can survive with this. You can do this. You can manage with that. And so that's the, to someone that's struggling to put that first, that's the severity of it. Like, you have to prioritize it because without it, you cannot have, you can't have life. Like you are non-existent if you don't, you know, prioritize that first. Yeah. Um, I always put it for everybody, you know, I, sometimes I don't, but I, like I'm learning more and more day by day to you know, put my mental effort, you know, it, whatever it looks like, you know, if it's like, you know, like me, to just sometimes attending, you know, me just taking a day to do something for myself, you know, just make myself good. Um, you know, your important, your mental health matters, you know, just always put yourself first. And um, I like to finish this off with like asking you, Reggie, like what's going on with you? What's next? We know you got podcasts, like Man Hill, and the border nine. Like what's what else do you got going next for you? Honestly, and this is probably the first time I'm probably claiming it um, uh, on a, I don't want to say a public platform, but like other than my mindset, like uh, this is something that I, I want to get into for myself is uh, we, because of where we grew up and how we are uh, conditioned, me and you, I'll, I'll say the same thing for just both of us. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but we kind of focus on the black experiences, will it be in Philadelphia, will it be in the black community in the United States in general, whatever the case may be. But I'm also a first generation American where I, I don't want to just have these conversations with the black community experience only being US based. Uh, I want to talk about the Caribbean black experience and how they have to go through with mental health stuff. I want to talk about the Canadian experience with the mental health in, in that space, the European experience, the uh, the, the the Chinese, the Indian of like just the community and the African, that's the, the biggest one I want to get into um, experience in regards to mental health. So taking it in a, the conversation and overall having it, um, that's why I said earlier where I'm thinking about even changing the name because it may go into a direction where it's not just uh, that type of space. And I think um, that's the goal is to be able to have a, a global conversation around mental health or a global conversation around just community and, and us yeah. as a as a people because I don't I don't only talk about mental I, I believe mental health is in everything but I also yeah. know that everything can't be um communicated through mental health like people want to talk about um uh I had an engineer on and talking about that type of experience and what it's like mentally to go through that and connecting those that so it, and it, to answer your question is to have a global conversation around mental health yeah um, i'm proud of you man <laughs> how do you always say it i'm busy but you are doing the thing out here bro like i respect that. as a black man i'm just like man reggie is doing it you know that keeps me going sometimes you know like just want to keep going for it sometimes i just want to quit and just say forget everything but you know i know it's a bigger picture out there is like fighting the fight 
And I appreciate you for all that you're doing, man. You know, you know, me and you since day one. And I mean, you know, it's crazy. I think we, we was at the luncheon. I didn't even get a chance to speak to you. I just got like bad anxiety. And I, I just didn't, I didn't speak to nobody. I just was sitting there just enjoying it. And, you know, it's like you're doing dope things, bro. Nah, I appreciate that. And likewise, and one thing I do feel bad about, and I try to do it, especially in spaces where it's not that too many of us, and now I'm trying yeah. to do a better job at, at it. And when I say too many people, and many of us, I mean, in the white community, like where we're the only two black people or, or just the only two men in the room yeah. is acknowledging and giving that head nod or giving that handshake or giving that yes. like, hug and saying what's up. Because I, I do want to be able to, I don't have that um, problem of like social anxiety, but I know some people do and I want to make it comfortable yeah. to know like, no, bro, I'm here with you. Like, no, we good. We straight. Um, just to acknowledge, because I know it means something to us, especially we, when we in those spaces and having that connection and conversation. But likewise, bro, I'm proud of you as well and doing the things that you're doing. Um, I always say, uh, like, you're opening up a door. This is why I had you on my podcast as well, because I don't have that yeah. experience. And, and that the level of vulnerability that you show, I think more men um, experience it, but they're afraid to show it because there are not a lot of men having that conversation out there. So I hope that you keep going, but also take it time for yourself so that way you can keep going. It. I'll give you one last analogy. I told you I speak an analogy. Don't be don't be too busy yeah. driving that you don't stop for gas. Dang, that was good. <laughs> I got to use that one day. <laughs> <laughs> and your gas is your mental hope, man. Your gas is resting. Oh, wow. Your gas is making sure you're doing what you're doing to take care of yourself. And you can't drive without it. And so yeah. don't be too busy driving that you don't stop for gas. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, bro. Thank you for being a guest, man. Now, I appreciate it. I'm glad we was able to get it done. I know it was a while coming, but I'm happy to be able to get it done. Yep.